having a stage problem. <laughs> <laughs> Fired. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> okay. Can everybody hear me? Yes. Okay. My name is Chrissy. Um, I'm a 16-year-old sophomore from Wright, and the thing that I've start out with that I've learned the most about Alateen is that it's really hard. <laughs> um, it's hard to get up here and do this. Um, it's trying to get friends and stuff to do it with you. That's really hard. This weekend is not working out for me. This is probably going to be the worst speech you've ever heard. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> um, one of my friends was supposed to come with me 9.30 the night before we leave. Her mom says, we don't have a problem. She's not, she's not going. So I'm spending the weekend with my sister's boyfriend, Casper, <laughs> because he's the only one that didn't have to work. <laughs> so it's not, this is not working for me. I'm not with it. <laughs> but I'll try. Okay. My life before Alateen. The first thing that I really remember about alcohol in my life was when my parents got divorced. Um, I don't even know how old I was, three, maybe four. Um, and I never, it never hit me that I was different because we lived with my grandparents. And I wasn't in school, so I didn't, you know, hear all the talk about my mom, my dad, this, my mom, my dad, that. I mean, they came and visited me on the weekends, and as far as I knew, that's what it should be. You know, I thought that was normal. So it didn't ever bother me or anything until my parents got remarried. And that was when I was in first grade. Um, my mom was sober, and she's going to hate me because she's going to hear this tape, and I, I think she's been sober 11 years, but I'm not sure. <laughs> she's going to be mad. <laughs> But um, but my dad still drank, and my dad's drinking habits they they were pretty bad. He would get off work about four, and he'd come home and he'd drink beer until supper, and then after that he'd drink whiskey until he fell asleep or passed out, which I didn't know the difference until I was about eight years old, and one of his friends called and you know go get your dad, and I was trying to wake him up, and I was scared. I'm like, Daddy won't wake up. Someone come help me, you know, and he's like. Oh, he's okay. He's just sleeping really hard because he knew, but I didn't. And then my mom was working nights, you know, and I, mom comes home and I'm like, is dad awake yet? And then that's when I had it explained to me because I didn't know what was going on. And it's crazy. I never, I knew it was really bad, but see, I have a new job now and we have two restaurants and one has a bar with it and that's where I work. And my boss always gives me a hard time about how my dad used to pay the electric bill. <laughs> he's like, I'm happy he's sober, but I can't pay bills anymore. <laughs> So it's, it's actually, it's nice. <laughs> um, uh, I remember that I used to really feel alone when I was little, um, when I was in grade school and stuff. I mean, I had a few friends, but no, nothing really special. And so basically, you know, I've gone to a lot of little different counseling things, and the stereotype that I was was the family hero. And if you, you know, know what that is, it's like you're happy and you're outgoing and you're getting good grades, you're getting good friends, you're doing good things, you're just this perfect person. But on the inside, I was sad and I was hurt and I was angry and I didn't know how to deal with anything. And everything got worse when my mom started working nights um, because there was no one there to protect us or give us that sense of feeling of security. Um, my dad, he... <coughs> I remember a time when we went out to visit my mom at the guard shack where she worked at the coal mine. And, you know, he would be drunk and we'd be driving back and we'd drive up on the sides of hills and down. And, I mean, he just thought it was great and he's slapping his hands on the roof, you know, clapping and laughing. When you're six and seven years old, that's not funny. <laughs> and, and then he drives this old truck and 
you always have to slam the door it won't shut and that same night we come home and my sister slammed the door and just for some reason that made him mad this time and I remember him like throwing her up against the ceiling and shaking her and yelling at her and I remember times when um, we'd go up and play video games in the mall and I'd take quarters out of his jar and he'd yell at me and tell me I was a thief and that I was stealing and it wasn't it was okay sometimes and then sometimes it wasn't so I I was really confused because I never knew what was okay and what wasn't because it never stayed the same Um, he would have his friends come over um, late at night and they'd drink and they'd be loud and you know it was back when I actually cared about school so I was upset that they were noisy till like one o'clock in the morning and there was a fight in my house every night usually just argument fights but there was only one night that I can remember while my dad was drinking that we weren't fighting and that's because he was at the bar and my mom was sick so no one was talking that night and that's the only night I can remember and I wrote it on my calendar I was so happy that we didn't fight um, throughout this whole time my self-esteem it kept falling you know even though I was doing all the things I was supposed to do and you know being this good child that everyone thought I was I didn't have any self-esteem um, all this was basically before I even went into junior high um, the summer before eighth grade is when I really began to fall apart I snuck out like every night and I'd get drunk every night because it it was like a way of not having to deal with anything and um, it was a way of rebelling because I didn't have any freedom it was but it wasn't getting me anywhere um, I my sister and I we even we used to um, sell my dad's whiskey through a window every night <laughs> we'd make money off his habit <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know there was ups and downs <laughs> um, um, there was one night when I quit you know this put an end to my sneaking out and I um, got brought home by the nice happy cops that night and it was my actually my first night sober and I don't know how that happened that he just happened to pull us over for curfew the one night I had only a diet coke but that was enough to scare me away from it so I've gone away from that but it was somebody else's fault it was their fault because you know they came got me it's their fault I went out it's their fault I drank because they told me to you know it was everybody else's fault for all my problems and it was their fault you know that I felt bad it was you know every emotion every problem everything was somebody else's fault nothing was my fault I didn't do it the only good things that were my only things that were my fault were the good things and then my mom you know she was an AA and she started talking to me about making my own choices and that what leads to my problems and my emotions and I couldn't deal with that and that's when I got really depressed um, the rest of the summer and for a little while after that I was bulimic in the middle of my freshman year I tried to commit suicide by drinking a bottle of NyQuil it didn't work I woke up really drunk the next morning and sick <laughs> but I'm glad but it was that was probably one of the best things that I've ever done and I know that's hard to believe but um, I wanted everything to just go away that's the only way I could put it in I just wanted everything to go away and then right after I did it I started crying and praying I don't want to die anymore I can deal with this and so that is what actually opened my eyes and taught me that I have to deal with my own problems and um, I was like normal kids you know dreaming of other people's families you know well they never fight they all get along you know it'd be so much better if I lived there and with them and I spent a lot of my free time just daydreaming you know I was really spacey always thinking of how things could be better but I never did anything about it until I learned to deal with my problems but when I was really depressed I wrote this poem don't laugh (laughs) okay the light in my life is fading I'm swallowed by the black 
Engrossed in the depths of sadness, no love to pull me back. Lost in nothing but darkness, drowning from all the tears. Alone with nothing to comfort me, I smother myself in fear. Loneliness is filled with fear, and broken hearts looking for light. Filling a life, living a life filled with emptiness, and feeling the sting of love's cruel bite. So I was not happy as a child, really. Um, and then, you know, I started growing up, and my first steady boyfriend is an alcoholic. <laughs> He's had six, five or six MIPs, three in a month. Um, he's in and out of jail on the weekends serving for it. And But, you know, I have my little optimistic attitude. Well, I can't change my dad, but he's not so permanent, so maybe I could change him. And that's, I, I, that's serious. I spent a year and a half of my life trying to change him. And, you know, the thing is, I shouldn't have even went out with him because I met him when he was forced to go to Alateine court-ordered for his, like, third MIP. And I just thought he was the greatest thing. And he hasn't changed. I have. We're separate. You know, can't deal with that anymore. So I, you know, quit that. And all I went back to was just wanting a sober family. That's all I wanted. And I wrote this poem for my dad. <coughs> it's called Daddy. What are you really like? Who's the real you? What is inside, hiding behind the booze? Are you full of love and care for others? Could you be? Are you a strong and wise man? Or could you be these things if you weren't always holding that can? Are you gentle and caring? Could you be my role model? Or are you empty, cold, and lost, like the bottom of your bottle? Daddy, oh, daddy, I just don't know. If I've ever seen a part of you, it must have been small. I guess I'll never know who you really are because you're too wrapped up in your alcohol. And then about right after I wrote that, I was I started going to Alateen. Alateen was completely forced on me. I wanted nothing to do with it. It was... Something my mom, you know, and one of her friends put together in our small little town, you know, to help us. And all that our group in Wright was when it first started was just for me to get out of the house for an hour at night. I mean, to me, that's all it meant to me. It didn't, it was hard because it didn't get us anywhere because it was two families, me and my sister and then another family of three sisters. So we only fought, excuse me, and we spent more time worrying about our difficulties between our sisters than um, getting to the pro- getting to the real problem that we had to deal with there. And, you know, our sponsor, she tried really hard, but I think we were all under seventh grade at the time, and it wasn't, it just didn't work. Um, I started going to the meetings in Gillette, and that was a big change for me. Um, there would be about 15 people there instead of five of us, and um, I didn't know anybody. And I didn't want to talk, you know. I mean, you walk in, you like have this attitude that everyone has. I'm not telling these people how I feel. <laughs> I don't know them. And you know, we'd go around the circle, you know, and they'd say, "How are you feeling?" And I'd say, "Fine." And they'd say, "Fine's not a feeling." I'm like, "That's too bad," because <laughs> that's the way I felt. Um, and you know, I finally, I gradually started to open up and stuff. And these little books. I hate this little red book. The first time I read this at the Gillette meeting, it said. Thanks to Alateen, we can make it through the day. And I was nervous, and I said, thanks to alcohol, I can make it through the day. (laughs) And I was right back where I started with this not talking thing. (laughs) I don't read these anymore. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, everyone, you know, laughed, and I started to open up. And, you know, when I started getting into it, I started to see changes. And one of the biggest changes, and I wasn't, I didn't really like it, was that I learned how to take responsibility for myself. 
And that was easy when I do something good, you know. Yeah, I got an A. I studied really hard. Yeah, I got in trouble. <clears throat> I chose to leave, <laughs> you know. You don't want to take responsibility for things like that. But I've learned to do that. And I learned to understand my feelings instead of hiding them. And I learned to express my feelings. And that does a lot for you. Um, I found a lot of friends who understood. I didn't think, I didn't understand. So how could everyone else understand how I felt? And that was something really that I needed when I got into Alateen. It was something I really liked. Um, I met a friend at one of my first conferences, Bob, and we write all the time. He helps me through everything. You know, he calls me. He sends me prayers. He knows everything about me. And, you know, he lives in Cheyenne, so we don't get to see each other ever. But he's like the best friend that I have because he knows what it's like, what I'm going through. And... You know, it's it's really nice, and we've helped him. He's in AA and stuff now. We celebrate his birthdays every month, and it's just great. Um, I think the hardest part about Alateen was the first step, making amends. I do not make amends. If you do something to me, I, I hate you for the rest of my life. That's it. <laughs> I don't do well with um, forgiving people. And that, I think, is one of the hardest things that I've had to learn. Um I also learned about understanding my dad. Um, I tried I tried really hard to understand why he felt that this was the best thing for him to do, why it was, you know, good for him, why he liked it. And, you know, it wasn't until I started understanding his feelings that I understood, started to understand his actions. And, you know, with my ways of um, trying to understand, I, I can um, relate myself to the way he was. It's like this, I got this at a counseling thing. Um, it's like we all put our hand on the stove and when it burns, instead of walking away and trying to find another solution, we start changing the heat and get burnt 20 times before we figure out this is not the way it's going to work. And, you know, that's, that's how I am. I'm stubborn and that's how long it took me to learn these things. And the thing that I burnt my hand the most on was detachment with love. That is the hardest thing for... It's it's so hard to love someone you hate, and that was the hardest thing for me. And you know, I've I've been doing better at this. And you know, a couple years ago, I heard this song by Bad Religion, and I think they said it the best. They said, "You and me have a disease. You affect me. You infect me. I'm afflicted. You're addicted. You and me have a disease, but I am curable." And I think that they said it the best. You know, it's, they that really got to me. Um, my life now, I try and take it one day at a time. But, you know, it's like all the coffee cups. The days attack me all at once. So, <laughs> But you try. <laughs> um, the biggest thing that gets me through is trusting in my higher power. Um, that's a big thing with me. Um, I've learned to control my anger. I, I was never really a violent kid. I never really got in fights. But I'd hold it in and hold it in until all of a sudden it was just this big mess. And, um, you know, that's, that's also one of the most important things I learned was what would happen if I don't and how to prevent that overkill of emotion. And most of the time you hear it described as bottling up your feelings until you finally have too much and you just blow up. But I think that's for aggressive people. I think the rest of us that aren't, we're like, we do the brick and toothpick method where you pack on the bricks until you break down and then you're down. You're not, you don't feel better when you get your stuff out. You keep going lower and lower and lower. And it's taken a long time to get myself out of that method. And um, I'm feeling better now, though. Um, I've begun to get really close to my family, my mom especially. She's really been there for me and closer to my friends. And that was hard because it seemed like everyone that I loved 
all they wanted to do was hurt me. And it was really, it was not like that at all, but it seems like after something happens a couple of times, you think that's the way it's going to be. That's how everyone is. Um, I still consider myself the little family hero, but it's without the hidden emotions. You know, everything I do, I try to excel at, and so I can feel the pride. And being proud of myself, I think, is one of the things that has helped me through a lot. And I'm at peace with myself. I'm, I'm no longer worried, really, about what other people think and what other people are going to say. Because if I can deal with it, then if they can't, that's too bad. But I, if I can hold myself up, I don't need them to worry about it. And I'm really proud of my family. My dad, he's been sober for a little over a year now. And we'll see her in a month. And that that's great. Well, the first six months weren't great. <coughs> the first six months. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure which was worse, you know, the whole 15 years before or the last six months, you know, but it's, it's okay now. He's, you know, he's, he's a person again, you know, and I, I know my dad now, and that's, I, I was always cheated when I was little because I didn't know him. I mean, I knew who he was, but not, I didn't know him, and, you know, now we talk, and it's, it's really nice, you know, um, we just, we have this open communication. We can talk about anything, and I never, honestly, never expected that. I expected his drinking problem to kill him. I expected my grandfather to walk me down the aisle when I got married. I never thought my dad would make it. Um, and that's, that's not something that, you know, a little girl's going to deal with well when she thinks about something like that. But with what I learned in Alateen, you know, I can deal with it, and I'll never go back on anything that I've learned in Alateen. You know, some things I don't like, like the making amends stuff, but the stuff that uh, a lot of it has helped me a lot. Um, I'm still learning a lot, and I'm still trying really hard. And even though I know I'm not perfect, and I know things aren't always going to be, you know, the way they I think they should be, I know that everything's going to be okay. And that's all. Thanks for listening and being patient. And I'm sorry I couldn't talk for an hour. <laughs> I'm only 16. <laughs>